0: Whether you're looking for inspiration to get started or strategies to get growing, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited to share with you my guest today, Karen Yankovich. I don't know when I met Karen, but from... The first moment I met her, which I think was online, but um, in person, online, Karen struck me as one of those really solid people in the world, someone who has fundamental information that we all need, is willing to share it in a quality way, and has a really strong grasp on what it means to be a successful business person. Her specialty, for sure, is training and coaching in business, specifically around social media. Her expertise that struck me that I think is something I'm always curious about is LinkedIn. I will raise my hand and say, I am not the best person on LinkedIn. So I'm really excited to hear what Karen has to say for all of us. And specifically around the topic of creating wealth with purpose, where does LinkedIn play? Because... My my experience with LinkedIn is it feels much more like what it felt like when I was in the corporate world. But I know that lots of people are having a lot of success with it in the entrepreneurial space. And Karen certainly is. And I know a lot of you are actually in the corporate space. So I'm sure Karen will have a lot of important information for you as well. So with that, I'm going to go over and say, welcome, Karen. Thank you for being here. I'm so happy to be here, Patty. Thanks for having me here. And you know, Karen, I forgot to mention, I'd like to say this up front because I'm so new to podcasting. I think it's important. um, You know that if you like this with this interview with Karen, Karen actually hosts her own podcast called, I love this. Go ahead,
1: Karen. Okay. Good Girls Get Rich. I thought you were setting me up for that. My podcast is called Good Girls Get Rich. And you can check that out at goodgirlsgetrich.com.
0: No, I promise you, I do slow down to just questions and let you <laughs> talk. And, and just this upfront period where I jabber on for a few minutes. All right. So, um, okay. There's so many questions I want to ask you, Karen. Um, but actually, while we're recording this podcast, it's going to go uh, live in the new year. But while we're recording it, we've just crossed over You know, the last of the holidays, Christmas and we're heading into New Year's Eve. And I, you and I were talking before we went live about, you know, you've seemed to have gotten clear on how to stay present and grounded. And I found this particular holiday season, because I was super excited about what I'll be working on in the new year, I was actually struggling with that a bit. So I, I'd love to go there first, and then we can jump into talking about social media specifically, LinkedIn, and and all your brilliance. Yeah, yeah, with that.
1: Yeah, so you know what we were what we were saying was as you know, like Patty, I work from home. I uh, run a uh, virtual business. I have you know group coaching programs and digital programs and one on one work that I do with people, and. You know, I, I were, I have to work pretty hard to stick to a schedule. I find myself, if I have nothing to do, I'll sit down at my desk, you know, and I'll just keep working. So, you know, even just last night, I had the, you know, TV on. I didn't really have a lot going on and I grabbed my laptop and said, let me wipe, wipe out some emails. So, so for me, I, I've really worked hard in 2018 on being present when I'm with my family and my friends and with other people. I'm, I'm so okay with grabbing my laptop, like the TV on, but I'm not okay with checking my phone while I'm on the phone with my daughter, right. Or things like that, which was happening, right. Cause you get all these notifications and things like that. So, so for me, One of the big transformations for me in 2018 was learning how to be present. And um, it was described to me at one point, Patty, as, you know, we're so used to this, like being wide, right? Like, like going wide and you've got this going on and that going on. And like, when you think about multitasking, you think about going wide and it was, it was described to me as going vertical. Like you're in this instant, it's vertical. You're not wide. You're not anywhere else. You're right here, right now, and it's vertical, not horizontal. And so that's kind of what I've been practicing in my life. And I think that that really impacted my holidays this year because, you know, I have a gigantic family and I love my family. I mean, I have four kids just right off the bat, immediate families a lot, but my sister has four kids. We had this great, amazing Christmas Eve holiday. There was 39 and a half people there because my, one of my cousins is pregnant and it was just, so amazing. And I think a big part of that is learning how to be present, just being grateful for for having these people and being there and having those moments, not worrying about all the horizontal things in my life and just staying vertical.
0: So do you have any tools that you could give our listeners? I mean, that sounds really good in concept. Um, is it that you simply visualize the verticalness of the moment or you know what is actually going on inside you that helps you like connect to that and stay with it you know what it really is
1: exactly that it's visualizing the vertical it's you know just visualizing the vertical and 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 the instant right i've actually also heard it referred to as the holy instant so just visualizing the instant. You're here in this instant. This is what's happening right here, right now. Nothing else is happening. Nothing else matters, but what's happening right here, right now. And for me, you know, that's, that is really the tool is just the visualizing, like, you know, kind of, kind of not throwing away the vertical, the, the horizontal, because it's all still there, at least in my world, but it's going to be there when I'm ready for it. So it's just staying vertical and and visualizing mm. vertical and not anything else.
0: Mm, I love that. So Karen, you've been in business for a long time. When did you start your business? You know, my business has started a really long time
1: ago, but it actually has had a lot of evolutions over the past probably 25 years. Um, I, you know, I would say in the late 90s or in the mid 90s, I owned a small agency in New Jersey where we were representing telecom companies and doing network design and consulting for uh, voice phone system installations, things like that. And what I quickly realized that was moving from um, a sales world and even just a managerial world in sales where I was going out with people on sales calls and, 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 Building relationships and owning a business were two completely different things, and needed two completely different skill sets. I found myself worrying about things like what are the benefits we're going to have, and do we need new office space, and you know, are we hiring a garbage service? Things that had nothing to do with my what I my passion, what I love doing, which was relationship marketing. Uh, So that business ran for a few years. We closed it, I would say, in the early two thousands, and I kept a lot of the clients on as consulting clients. But you know, I was a single mom. I had kids that were. In, you know, private high school and going to college, and you know, even in grammar schools, and I needed a little bit more consistency with my income and benefits. So I took some corporate gigs as I was still running my consulting business. But somewhere around the like 2010, 11, I started to really get get involved with online marketing. And it really, I realized it was really a sweet spot for me because it blended the geeky techie stuff that I knew how to do from my days as a project manager, project manager in telecom and the social piece, the relationship piece that was really what I was so passionate about. So I started to use digital marketing and start, started to take a lot of courses and get a lot of training and on how to use this, this amazing new way of marketing. And um, was really basically just helping my friends and, and colleagues with their businesses, but soon people were coming to me and saying, how did you know how to do this? Can you do this for me? And I was like, yeah. And when people start throwing money at you, right, to do something for them, you start, you know, you start to shift a little bit. So I started to shift my business um, and taking on consulting projects for online marketing as as opposed to just, you know, telecom stuff, which, and that business was changing so much anyway, that it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. Um, and eventually that those corporate gigs that I was working had to I had I couldn't I had to make a choice. I couldn't do both anymore. So, I guess around 2014 maybe, I left the last corporate gig and have been full-time running um Uplevel Media running my business ever since then. Uh, and it still goes through evolutions, right? There's still evolutions in in my business as the market changes and as things change, uh but But what's consistent is, you know, as I, the more I go through running a business, the more I know where I, what I want and don't want. And I work really hard right now to, to stay true to being location independent, not having an office, not having a big staff, because those were the things that consumed me in that other business. Right. And while that business did really well, it just wasn't what I love to do. So, so as I, as I, my business evolves not only as the market evolves, but as my understanding of what I want to be doing evolves.
0: Mm, I love that. I have so many questions, um, but the one I want to touch on is because I I know there's a certain portion of people who are listening that say, like lots of clients I have say, I don't want to manage people. I don't want to manage people, and they may have just taken what you said as their excuse not to hire a minimum number of people, so you don't have. Zero help in your business. Oh my gosh, no, no, no! I don't mean yeah. that at all. I don't mean I, that at I know all. You didn't, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I want them to understand what. So tell me what you do. Well, have. you know what? It's
1: it was a it was a big mindset shift for me, Patty. Coming from corporate, right? You felt like you needed office space. You felt like you needed you needed to hire somebody to answer the phones. You needed to hire somebody to do customer service. I needed an office manager. I needed a bookkeeper. You know, like you just felt like you know, and this was, I guess, the early 2000s, you felt like you just needed all of that. And, As I started to become more involved in the digital marketing world and the digital marketing communities, the entrepreneur communities, I realized that was so not true, that there's so much that is needed, that that is available to us. You know, my bookkeeper is now virtual. My, you know, I don't need somebody to answer my phones. I don't need somebody to, you know, I don't need an office manager. I have primarily up to this point, worked with virtual assistants, and I'm a fan of having. Having people stay in their wheelhouse, right? So having multiple people do the things that they do best, even if it makes more sense to have one person, I think that what I've learned is that even if it means I have to have two or three people and those two or three people are really specialized, that that is better for my business. That's just what works for me right now. Um, but I will say that my goal for 2019 is to actually hire a an assistant that works just for me. That is not a virtual assistant that has 10 other clients because I think that my business needs that now. I think that's the next evolution for my business is to have someone who, um, not full time, you know, but some, some number of hours per week works for me and and me alone. And I think that that is what the next evolution evolution of that is looks like for my business, but I will, but what it will mean is that person will probably manage the other virtual people that are on my team right now.
0: Mm, Nice. So the, you know, the big question for me, when you were speaking earlier about your evolution is, um, and this comes back to an email I sent out in 2018 that got the biggest response out of everything I sent was a story I told where my husband was out of work and he was an executive and, and is back to being in that role. But Back then, he had been out of work for like a year, I want to say. And he took a job, a temp job with UPS during the holidays to deliver packages. And what the mindset was around him being able to do that. And and the response we got back was just a lot of relief from many people who felt that as entrepreneurs... And now he, now he wasn't. but um, And I think maybe I peppered in some of my own stories there. But this... Permission that people felt they needed to do something that was not considered of an equal standard to what you're normally doing. And I think for entrepreneurs, you know, anytime you think about going back to corporate or getting a JOB or whatever, that somehow you're doing something wrong. And what struck me about your story, Karen, and what struck me about everything you do since I've met you or became aware of you is that you've always felt like a grown-up to me in In a world where a lot of people don't act like grown-ups. <laughs> so I'm curious how you navigate it deciding I'm not going to close, you know, I'm not going to own a business right now, or I'm going to close it, but I need to do something different to pay my bills. Um, At least I'm thinking that's what the mind, you know, what your reason was.
1: Yeah. Well, it really was that. So, so, you know, there was, there were some, I'm, I, I absolutely did the right thing for me and for my family and for my business at the time, at the time, you know, because I was divorced, my kids were covered by my ex-husband's benefits. So they had health benefits, but I didn't have health benefits when I closed my business. So I went like, like a year when I closed my business without health benefits with, you know, and with this. You know, with this fluctuating income, one month I'd get a $20,000 check and then, you know, a month would go by when I got, and I made like, you know, $150, right? So, so for me, that was just too stressful. And I didn't have the online marketing piece then. I don't really know that it was really just coming, kind of coming to be at that point. So I, one of my clients, it kind of fell into my lap. One of my clients that had bought a new phone system was looking for somebody to manage it. And they made me an offer that I just couldn't refuse. They paid me a ton of money with full benefits and a lot of time off for a part-time situation. So I, you know, I had to say yes. Right. I mean, I I guess I didn't have to say yes, but it was, they made it really easy for me to say yes to that. The, what I did do that I think I might, you know, that maybe I shouldn't have done was I did eventually talk, let them talk me into going full-time with them. And I think that was a mistake for me because it was a really long commute and it physically took a toll on my body. I mean, I lived in North Jersey at the time and I changed my hours to seven to three because to get there at eight o'clock, to get from where I lived in Western New Jersey to right by the Lincoln tunnel took, it took an hour and a half, two hours, where I left at seven. If I left at like six o'clock in the morning, it took me 45 minutes. So I literally had to change my whole life, which meant my alarm was set for four thirty in the morning. And so, you know, seven, when I was working part-time, I could, I had more control over my hours and honestly if I'd stayed part time I might still be doing it because the benefits and they paid for all of my gadgets my cell phone my laptop you know but I had to make a choice even though I had a ton of time off once I started getting a lot of speaking engagements so so I I absolutely I I believe 100% that you've got to take care of your foundation first and foremost, whatever that looks like. Whether that looks like um, getting some one-on-one clients so that you have some consistent income coming in, whatever that number is that you know you need every month, or whether it's getting a, you know, getting a JOB to cover that nut, whatever it is to take the financial pressure off of you so that you can be the best you can be for your business. I think we need to do. And I don't. You know, I don't care if that's, I don't care what that is, what it looks like for you. You know, I, it, it really, I remember when my kids were in college and they came home and they were, you know, started to give me the, well, you know, I don't know. I don't have a car. I don't know how I'm going to get a job. And I'm like, well. I, am sure I have 10 friends that will pay you $50 a week to come clean your toilets if you want, you know, because you can walk to their houses and that's, you know, like, that's what you got to do to make money. That's what you got to do to make money. And they were like, oh, wait, I think I found a job, you know? So I, I'm, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's important that we understand that we have a responsibility to support ourselves, right? One way, one how before, before any other responsibility that we have. And then, and whatever that looks like for you, own it, do it love it. And then, you know, be grateful that you, you've, you're building a life that, that you're building. And again, it looks, it's that life looks different for everyone, I think, but whatever it takes to do that, I'm, I'm, I'm all for you doing.
0: I love that answer. And that's something, you know, I talk to people about cause you and I both speak a lot. So I, we get to have conversations that are probably deeper than what you would normally have if you just met someone online. And so often this There's this like ideal version of being an entrepreneur, especially with online marketing that doesn't exist for most people. And the actual work that you have to do looks more like cleaning toilets than it does, you know, in the beginning, than it does (laughs) um, speaking on stages, let's say, right? Um, you know, there's just a lot of, and so what, right. So what?
1: Mm -hmm. Pump yeah, gas. I, mean, I don't care what it is. We all, you know, it's, it's, it's work is honorable, whatever that looks like.
0: Exactly. And you know what? I think that's the key is just know why you're doing it. If you can just stay connected to why you're doing it, then you can find gratitude in it. And that gratitude unlocks the door of that higher vibration that brings in everything else you want. But that I'm expect it no less from your answer, Karen. Cause like I said, that's the one thing that stands out to me about you is that you've always felt like a grown up to me in a sea of children. So <laughs> I know that that sounds very Well, you know why I say that, Karen, is that when I came into this world from corporate, I came like my my entree into entrepreneurial work was very black and white. I was um hundred percent deep into corporate banking and like in it. Right. And then all of a sudden realized I wanted to do something different, but I didn't come into this to escape corporate. I loved corporate. Um, I did it because my heart was calling me here. And so then I dove you know, into all of this and was listening to mm-hmm. so many speakers that At this point, I think a lot of us see through, but really they were just overgrown children, right? That were kind of selling this Disneyland fantasy of what it looks like to be an entrepreneur that just is so unfair because it sets people up for an unrealistic version of what the journey's going to look like. You know what? I agree with that. And I
1: actually have to remind myself this at times. And I certainly remind my my clients and the people in my programs of this every now and then. You know, if you decided to close your business right now and go back to work, what does that look like? It looks like setting in my case. It looked like setting my alarm for 430 a.m. And be showered and out of the house by 6 a.m. Patty, this we're in, we started this interview at 10 a.m. on the day we're doing this. And I texted Patty at 945 and said, dear God, do I need to be showered? is this on video yeah. right so if i could do this working for someone else why can't i do it working for myself right so so that is That I think is, for me, the difference between the children and the grownups. I have to kind of kick myself in the butt every now and then and say, you know what, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to get up early and start work just like I did when I was working. Now, I have the freedom to be able to, you know, be flexible with my hours. It doesn't mean I need to work more hours, but sometimes I need to be reasonable. If things are not, if I need to kick up the income, then maybe I need to get up earlier and maybe I need to, you know, to be a little bit more attentive to this. Because if the alternative is closing my business and going back, to work I'm going to be setting my alarm anyway right so why not do it for me and my business the, the
0: same thing I would have done for someone else I yeah I love that because I just got an email 2 weeks ago from someone who said that to me she goes can you remind me or or send me the blog where you talked about what you did when you were going to close your business and how you found the courage to stay open and she wasn't remembering the story correctly because really what it was, the story was, I just knew that feeding my children and paying my mortgage was more important than my ego. And I just put all that aside and sent emails and um, inquiries out to all the people I used to work with in banking and just said, you know what, I'll just suck it up. And I'll, until I can get this business off the ground, you know, it was when my husband was out of work and, you know, when I came back to her and said, but just, you know, what you're talking about is totally different because that wasn't what she was looking for. She was looking for the courage to not go back to work. And I, I knew what her, the state of her business looked like. She had two babies at home. And I said to her, you know, think about what you would be doing during the day if you go back to work can you honestly say you've been dedicating that level of effort and focus to yes, your business yes yes and i'm not saying you should <clears throat> just if you're if you're actually choosing between staying home with your babies and going to corporate make sure it's an apples to apples comparison and not you've been working 2 hours every other day in your business to going back to work full time you're not even comparing the same Right. You're right. absolutely
1: right. I agree. I agree. And I think that that's a big, that's a big, um, challenge for entrepreneurs is to understand that. And, you know, and by the way, we have to own that. And a lot of times, you know, because we work from home, people think we're not working right. Or, well, Karen can pick you up at the airport because she's home or, you know, I'm not really home I mean, I'm home, but I'm working. So, You know, it is, I love that I have the flexibility to do those kinds of things if I build them into my calendar, but I have to be the one to set those boundaries, the boundaries that say, I actually, I can't because that's a work day for me, or I have this or, and maybe it is building in, I I had to build in lunch into my calendar at one point, because I was finding myself working so many hours when I first started working for myself that I was like, I need it. I need to build in a lunch hour every day so that I know that I Mm -hmm. have a break every day. So, you know, and luckily I don't do that anymore. And I know that you teach that pretty, pretty strongly on how to manage your time. And that was a big challenge for me when I first started working from home, but, but I wasn't smart about it. You know, I wasn't working smart and I wasn't saying to people you know, I was saying, sure, I could do this. Yes, I could do this. I've since learned how to say no, so that I can be more in control of my time and my calendar and honor my business.
0: Yeah. And you know, that's a great segue into a question I ask all our guests, which is, um, but don't answer for a second, because I just want to go back to something else you said, which is, you know, what is your definition of wealth? Cause everyone's is different and how, and I think how you use your time is a big factor of that. Um, but I, you know, what you said about m- me being pretty strong about how you manage your time, I am. And I do have a 20-hour work week now. And I think this is something people get confused about. I don't say you can start your business today and have a 20-hour work week tomorrow. I mean, you could. And the process I teach will show you how to make the most of those 20 hours. But that's not what I would recommend if you're starting your business, if you're able to dedicate more time to it. Everything you do in the beginning takes a lot more time. You can become efficient, but it does take a lot more time. And every time you up level, it either means you're going to put more time in or you're going to bring on more staff Yes, like yeah. you're doing, right? You know, like that's your next up level is not you, you know, staying up till two in the morning in your business. It means, you know, taking the leap of faith and bringing on, um you know, a more substantial employee. So... I did want to clarify that because I get that question all the time and I have a, uh, like a freebie that's out there where I show them what my calendar looks like. And one of the questions I'd always get is, well, what do you do when you're doing a launch or what do you do when your kids get sick? So then I had to like add like, okay, this is what my calendar looks like when I'm doing a launch and it's not 20 hours a week. And right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) what it looks like when my kids sick and it's not 20 hours a week either. It's more like 10, but um, okay. So, What is your definition of wealth, my love? Oh, gosh. I mean, the first word that comes to mind is freedom.
1: You Mm know, the freedom to make the choices that I want to make in my life. Um, You know, where I want to spend my time, who I want to spend my time with. And, you know, the freedom to make those choices. To me, that's really what real wealth is.
0: I love that. I love that. Um, so you know, I do. We're like, I hope you're okay. If we go a little bit, longer I'm good. Yep, I still yep. get, I'm still super curious about LinkedIn. I always like, I always talk to you, and I, I always think this is the the conversation that Karen's going to convince me to do more on LinkedIn. But um, tell me, I completely believe
1: that-, that it is, Patty. I completely think oh. it is. <laughs> do you think everyone should be on LinkedIn? Yes but I, but let me qualify that. I don't think there's anything else that I think everybody needs to be at, but I think at the very least, if you're running an online business, you have to have a great LinkedIn profile because it is the place that it may very well be your first impression to many, many, many of your clients. We don't buy a paperclip without doing research on it, right? So I can, I can promise you that nobody's hiring you without throwing your name in a search bar Mm -hmm. to see what they can find out about you and your LinkedIn profile is going to come up. So it's your opportunity to tell, the world what you want them to know about you it's your opportunity to position yourself as if your peers with the most influential people in your industry you know it's your opportunity to really um stand out from your competition so you know first and foremost yes i believe everybody should have a great linkedin profile beyond that i think i think that you know if 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 I am involved in your world, you know, and having conversations with you, then you're probably going to want to do more Um, because, you know, as we talked earlier about the need to really honor your family and your income and your mortgage and your house and all that stuff first, I think that when people think about online marketing, they immediately think funnels and Facebook and lots of followers and all this crazy stuff. And while that's all a lot of fun in the beginning it comes down to relationships, right? And I would challenge everybody listening to think to back to your, maybe your five most lucrative clients and and think about, did you have any type of relationship or conversation with them before they became your client? And the answer is most likely going to be yes. You know, yeah, I've had clients come to me from Twitter Mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. But often it's from the relationships. And LinkedIn, I believe that LinkedIn is the bridge between, the amazing the amazing resources that we have that we didn't have 20 years ago that digital marketing brings us and good old-fashioned marketing, right? Getting on the phone with people. That's where the big money clients come from. And that's what you need to get started with your business. If you're selling something that costs $5, that's great. But like, let's talk and see what you can be also doing to sell something that's a thousand dollars because that's that thousand dollars is going to keep your mortgage paid while you're building up the audience to sell your $5 something. And those thousand dollar clients, $5,000 clients, Mm $10,000 clients often are going to come from relationship building. And that is so easy to do on LinkedIn.
0: Oh, there is so much wisdom in that one statement. Okay. So can I throw at you the three things that like, On LinkedIn that I see that just annoy the hell out of me. And like instantly, I will like never probably Mm -hmm. talk to you unless I meet you in person again. One is a LinkedIn request. And then when I click over like a connect, you know, connection request. And when I click over, there's no picture there. And they like I instantly am like, you didn't even bother to load a picture. Do not annoy me. (laughs) I agree. So right off the
1: bat, you just confirmed what I said. What everybody needs a great profile, right? First (laughs) and foremost, you need a great profile. I completely agree with you there.
0: And I will say I did invest, my, you know, just for the audience, I have invested in creating a strong profile. I do have that. Um, I just don't spend a lot of time there. So the second thing is I get a message and I, I can tell you, I'm not that great about always checking messages on LinkedIn, but you know, when I go over to check a message and it's someone giving me this great opportunity that I get to pay for, and I've never <laughs> heard from them again. Yeah. Like I'm, I've never heard from them before that, yep. that I agree I will, with that like, too. I will disconnect from you and i you will never get to speak to me again. I completely agree with that also. Okay. And the third thing is you know, random anniversaries that LinkedIn has for entrepreneurs. I know when you're at a company, the anniversaries are actually legit. But for entrepreneurs, the anniversaries usually aren't real anniversaries. They're like when you changed your branding, basically. And so then I'll get like a series of congratulations on your anniversary, where clearly this person just got reminded to congratulate me, doesn't even know what the hell they're congratulating me on. And it's like a formatted comment that annoys me too. Okay, so I will push back a little bit on that one.
1: and say yes the formatted comment like take a little bit of time to uh, reformat it right take 2 seconds to just change a word or two so that it doesn't look like everybody else's message in there but those patty are opportunities to start conversations and that's where the, with the people in your network right so if somebody messages you and says happy anniversary and even if it's a bogus i just changed i spelled something wrong 2 years ago and changed the spelling on it 2 years ago now it's my anniversary right um it's an opportunity to have to start a conversation with people in your network. So thanking them, taking a minute to look at their profile, right? Like cause remember how you said earlier like people that just pitch you pitch you pitch you you don't want any part of. Well, if they've taken the time to set, to, to congratulate you for something, it doesn't matter how crazy it is or silly it is. It's a conversation. It's an opportunity for a conversation starter. And you can take a minute, like, so during that time, maybe put a couple hours on your calendar that week to do a little LinkedIn marketing. And when you get those things, click on their profile, find something on their profile to say, you know, Hey, you know, thanks so much, Joey, for, you know, the congratulations. You know, I think I spelled something wrong that day, but I love that. I love that. It gives me the opportunity to get, you know, to get to know my connections more. Um, I see that you're in, you know, um, Brooklyn and you do this and that's really cool. I, you know, there's a great restaurant there that I went to a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever heard of it? Like starting a conversation, like go look at their profile and take that little tiny intro and, and use it as an opportunity to, to start actual conversations with the people you're connected to.
0: Really, just anyone, or should I be looking for people who potentially could be um relevant to my business because having come come from banking, a ton of those are just you know like my network in the banking world is still fairly deep, but most of those people have really no connection to me at this point, so I mean, listen, I think that that's common
1: for you know, people that are 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, right. To have a network of people. But yeah, I think that I would, you don't know who they're, you know, you're just starting a conversation, right? So the goal, the goal would be not to have a digital conversation to eventually, you know, anywhere, anytime where the conversation starting to pick up a little bit, they responded, you respond back. You, you really want to get on the phone with them. And, you know, I hear a lot that I don't know where to get sales calls from. Here you go, right? Here you go. These are even if they you have no idea that this this guy Joey may have no need for your services whatsoever, but you have no idea who his wife is, who his cousin is, who his next door neighbor is, right? When you walk into a networking meeting, like at a chamber of commerce or wherever, you know, you kind of just introduce yourself and start conversations. And a lot of times it is the who can you introduce them to and who can they introduce you to that are the most powerful part of those conversations. So I say be open to those conversations because you just don't know where they're going to go. And it may not happen right away. Maybe you'll introduce Joey to someone, right? But he'll remember that. And six months down the road, he'll remember you when he sees an opportunity for you. So I am a big fan of getting on the phone with those people in any any case where where you can and look at it as an opportunity to just
0: collaborate and whatever that collaboration looks like. Interesting. Okay, Karen. Well, secretly I committed to doing at least one thing you recommended on this podcast. I just did that behind the scenes between me and me, sort of me and your soul, because I feel like you've given me good stuff in the past and I've done probably none of it. So I am going to do this one thing. I I will commit to doing this for all the seven an- anniversaries I have for the rest of the year. Well, can I
1: can I just can I give you one other thing though that kind of will make this more powerful? Yes, totally. And we kind of we kind of skipped over this piece. So the, the first piece is really building a great profile because when you do meet people at networking events or speaking events or wherever you meet them, when you connect with them on LinkedIn the next day, you want them to be totally impressed with you. Right. So have a great profile. It's only gonna, it's only gonna put some rocket fuel to your to your relationship marketing. But the Second piece, and this is the piece that so many people overlook, I would say almost everybody overlooks this piece, be proactive, not reactive to building your network. Because when those anniversaries come, if you spend 2019 being proactive in building your LinkedIn network in 2020, when you get those, those, you know, anniversary messages, Mm -hmm. you have a network that is so much more powerful than you do right now, because you've intentionally grown it with people that you know can further your business. Mm, Gotcha.
0: And I think, you know, maybe part of the resistance on my part, too, is that I've never like I've never really been a. I've never had an agenda in any of my social media interactions. I really haven't. You know, I don't like to waste time, but I don't go out like when I connect to people on Facebook, which is primarily where I play and like set up like a quick conversation. I don't do it because I think they're a potential client. I just do it because something they said was interesting and I want to know them better in a world where we don't get to connect very often. So I'm being a bit of a devil's advocate here, but I do, I really do like connecting with people and I like to find people who are interesting to me. And I think maybe that's why the anniversary messages irritate me because they don't feel very, um, I don't know. Personal, I get, I understand that completely.
1: And I agree with you there, but it's opening the door. Like the power in LinkedIn, the beauty in LinkedIn is the ability to have, is is the ability to go back to that old fashioned relationship marketing that, that I knew so well and that I know works. So it's just giving, it's just that, like that step up to doing that. And I don't know, I wouldn't say just do it with that. I mean, for example, Patty, you you know, you mentioned that we're both speakers. One of the things that I do is um, if I know I'm going to speak at an event, I will start connecting on LinkedIn with all of the other speakers at the event way in advance of the event. If they have a Facebook page or a LinkedIn group for the organization or the event, I start connecting with people in there as well so that when the time comes and I go to that event, I already, you know, I mean, I've already got relationships with a bunch of people that I know are going to be there. And that makes that event so much more um, powerful for me, right? It makes it so much more profitable for me. If I take the time before I do the event, before I do the talk to build relationships with those people. So I'm not necessarily talking about randomly going out and building relationships with your ideal client, although that works, you know, maybe the baby step is finding Groups and organizations that you're a part of. For example, you know, if you're listening, are you a part of a chamber of commerce? Have you ever taken the chamber of commerce directory and gone? You're, you belong to that chamber because you think it can grow your business. Take the chamber directory, connect with everybody in the chamber proactively or, or cherry pick, right? If it, if it looks like somebody that's totally, you know, they've joined the chamber because their corporation paid them to be the representative, you know, you can skip those, right? But be intentional about Connecting with them and then looking to get on the phone with those people, right? You're both in the chamber to develop your business. Now, when you go to those physical events, they're going to be more powerful because you know more people. Um, you know, so so do it. Don't necessarily do it just randomly. Although, like I said, that works. Um, think about what you are already a part of and use that to really dive deep into the relationships with the people that are in those organizations that you either already belong to, or you're going to be speaking in front of, um, or even if you're just going to be attending. Imagine if you're attending a conference and you you connect. And Patty, I don't know if people do this for you, but I'm a speaker and it almost never happens for me. They connect with you ahead of time on LinkedIn. It happens every now and then. And I'm like, I, I literally have like Dunkin' Donuts gift cards in my bag for those people when I get there. Like, you get a prize because you connected with me on LinkedIn ahead of time. Think about how powerful that would be. You will remember them, right? Because they sent you a LinkedIn connection request saying, Patty, I'm so looking forward to seeing your talk at the blah, blah, blah event in March. March, you know, I've already signed up and I'm definitely going to make sure I'm at your, at your talk. You're going to remember them, right? So now you're developing relationships with the speakers at the events you're investing your time to go to, even if you're not a speaker, I can go on and on. I love <laughs> that. Okay. Build, build your network. Don't be reactive, be proactive in building your network. And then those, those anniversary things are a lot more fun because you're, you've got a network full of people that for one way or reason or another, you already know are, are valuable to you.
0: Such good tips. Okay. So Karen actually has a, um, uh, an entire, um, tips series for your profile and you will be able to get that. We'll put the link in the show notes, but you can go to pattylennon.com forward slash LinkedIn tips. So, um, okay, Karen. So the last two questions I ask everyone, thank you so much for staying with me here is, What is your purpose? Do you think your purpose is, you know, getting people on LinkedIn? I know the answer's no, Mm -hmm. but what do you think the purpose is?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, I mean, LinkedIn is a tool, right? It's not really the end game. It's the tool to get us to, to help us win whatever it is we're looking to do. So for me, I really think that my purpose is helping people and it's primarily women step into their power right? Good Girls Get Rich, my podcast, is about, you know, find what you're good at and then stay there. Create a personal brand that positions you as an expert. Really... Really own your power. And, you know, your LinkedIn profile is one way to shine that, which is why that's such a natural fit for me. But it's really about understanding what your uniqueness is, what you, what unique thing you bring to the world and then owning it, staying in that space and really building a life and a business around that. And I think that's where the abundance comes from in your, that's where the abundance will come from in your life and in your business.
0: Mm. So good. Okay. So final question for 10,000 podcast points, uh, for those out there listening that are pursuing the creation of wealth, whatever that definition is for them and, um, wanting to do it in alignment with their purpose. What's their, what's the one piece of advice you have for them or the one takeaway you want them to leave with?
1: You know, I think that I'm going to have to go back to, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to use, it's not just LinkedIn, but I'll use LinkedIn as the example. Build, surround yourself with the people that can build your life and your business the way you want to be. And that comes back to being proactive with your LinkedIn network, being proactive with the people that you engage with on a regular basis and be really selective, but really proactive in, in building a network um, full of people that are going to lift you up and take you to the places that you want your life and your business to go to.
0: Ooh, so good. So good. Best answer, Karen. Do I get dancer. my 10,000 podcast points? Huh? <laughs> you get your 10,000 <laughs> podcast points. Okay. So as a reminder, um, you can go check out Karen's podcast, um, Good Girls Get Rich, and you can find it in all the places that you listen to podcasts. You can also find Karen on Instagram and LinkedIn as Karen Yankovich, and we'll put the links in the show notes. So any last words of wisdom, Karen, that you want to leave the audience with? You know what? I think that I love that you are I
1: love that your audience is listening to your podcast or podcasts in general. I think that that's the first step to surrounding yourself with the people and the the you know and in 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 surrounding your life with the inspiration to to have the business and the life that you dream of. So kudos to you for listening to this podcast and hopefully you will listen to mine and lots of other podcasts because it's it's such a great way to infuse that That energy into your world on a regular basis. Mm,
0: Yummy. Thank you so much, Karen. I love you, girl. You are my favorite (laughs) girl. Thanks for having me. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Purpose podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found us. It fills my heart when I read a review and helps us reach many more people. So thank you.
1: This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, Women's Voices Amplified.